The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. There's nothing quite like Oxford, Mississippi in the spring. Ole Miss baseball is in full swing. Double-decker, spring football practices, the Grove Bowl. You ride around in your car looking at the beautiful people, the flowers. Why not experience that in a new car? Truck. How about a Jeep? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister in the co-host chair at Colin Brister on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Ole Miss baseball stays hot. A perfect 3-0 weekend in the Keith LeClaire Classic. That's a mouthful. BDCU, Indiana, High Point. 
Got Thomas Dillard, former Ole Miss Rebel baseball player, coming up on the Modern Woman phone line. But first, Colin, 10 in a row. I don't think we expected that when they dropped the first one to Louisville. I mean, I thought this was a good baseball team, but to uh, sweep the you know next two games for Louisville, to go to East Carolina and win three, to beat Southern Miss, to sweep Xavier, man, it's uh, it's been a run. And, and they've gotten contributions from a lot of different guys. But in saying that, like it kind of feels like their biggest contributions are from the guys that uh, that came back. Um, and you kind of wrote that on Sunday. It's uh, Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hoagland and Tyler Keenan and Ann. I mean, th- those are the guys that are kind of carrying this team right now. We said going into the weekend, I asked you, what would constitute a success? You said BDCU. But they didn't yeah. just beat ECU. They beat High Point, like we both expected them to. And then they go sure. into Indiana, a team that's perfectly capable, beat East Carolina on Friday night, had to hold them off a couple of times, came out with the win. 3-0, and you can't do any better than that. They won games in uh, different types of ways. I mean, Gunnar Hoagland was dominant again on Saturday. Uh, they kind of went a little bit of a slugfest on Sunday where they just out-hit Indiana. Um, and then, you know, I don't feel like there was a ton of energy for the High Point game. I didn't get to keep up with it a ton, I'll be honest. But – Felt like, uh, you know, they just rolled out there and they were better than high point. Sometimes that, that's what it takes. So uh, they kind of won three different types of games. But, you know, I wrote this on Saturday. It takes all types. If you're if you're trying to get a national seed, if you're trying to host a regional, uh, you're not going to bash the baseball every day. You're not going to pitch it extremely well every single day. It's going to take all types of games. And I kind of think that was on display this weekend as well. Before we really get going here on Talk of Champions, let me tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and Cheney's Pharmacy. Oxford, Mississippi is one of the most beautiful towns in the entire country. And there's no place quite like Oxford in the spring. Maybe you've thought about moving to Oxford, but haven't taken the plunge yet. If you're in the market, you need only look in one place. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up North Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, hello at the lamarms.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When spring arrives, you know what comes with it. Allergies, stuffy nose, cough, sore throat. So there's no better time to assess whether or not you're getting everything you need from your pharmacy. And the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's is a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years, and it provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. A couple of house cleaning items. Austin Miller is hurt right now. Had pain in his side is what Mike Bianco said. We'll catch up with him Tuesday night after the game against Memphis. Ole Miss will throw Jackson Kimbrell, the left-handed freshman, against Memphis as starter uh, not Wes Burton. Kind of a surprise, but I'm eager to see what the kids got. You know, it's interesting. And Mike took a little bit of flack, I guess, in the online community uh, for using Savelle and I guess Gilbert 
on Sunday, but Ole Miss has to find a left-handed option that, that can throw the baseball with success. And I, I don't think it's a bad idea at all to try to find something out of Gilbert or, or Kimbrell. Cause I don't guess LaFleur is pitching anymore, but man, you, you, you've got to be able to get something out of, out of one of those two guys, because you can't just roll into a weekend. I don't think without having any uh, available from a left-handed standpoint out of your bullpen. With Austin Miller unavailable on Sunday, Taylor Broadway went 50 pitches, extended out 50 pitches, by far the most in one outing in his career, his short Ole Miss career. It's only been two years. Broadway's got a 0.68 ERA. I think that's like fifth in the SEC, the best ERA of Ole Miss's pitching staff. Starters, relievers, doesn't matter. So far, Taylor Broadway's really taken over, at least in the early goings here. He's really becoming that bullpen anchor that we're used to seeing Mike rely on so heavily year in and year out, be it Parker Caracy or in years past a Stephen Head, a guy he goes to when he absolutely feels like he needs to get outs. Taylor Broadway's earning that trust right now. It certainly feels like that. Um, I'll ask you, though, do, do you worry a little bit about overuse? Because he's never pitched this much in his life. He hit and pitched a little bit in junior college, then didn't pitch a ton last year. And uh, I think he's made, what, six or seven appearances already in, in three series. I, I think it probably would be best if, if they could figure out a way to get him a week off, uh, you know, heading into SEC play. I think they will do that. I think they'll try to avoid him, especially when SEC play rolls around in two weeks. They'll try to avoid him in the midweek so that in the weekend they can just let him loose. That, that, that's kind of what they did with Parker Crazy. Now, a few times they threw Parker and everyone scratched their head going, what are you doing? You're going to use him so much this weekend. Um, but after a while – he quit going to Parker in the midweek and only went to him on the weekend. I think you'll start to see a similar plan then for uh, Taylor Broadway. Let me ask you this, um, because, you know, Braden Forsythe's been closing games. Hey, that if prediction's Mike, paying off for me. Yeah. Let me ask you this, though. If uh, Mike had his pick of people and the Friday night against LSU, he's up two to one in the bottom of the night. Who do you think he gives the ball to? You think it's Broadway or Forsythe? Yeah, it's Broadway in that scenario. I don't right. think there are going to be very many scenarios like that, but Ole Miss sure. has really pitched it. Offensively, you and I have had a disagreement about what this offense is, if it's intentionally a three-true-outcomes team or not. You think so. I think not. Why do you think so? I don't know if I necessarily think so. I was kind of presenting a theory. I don't know. I do think that they looked at 2017, and they saw that a lot of their problems were that they had very little power, um, and they realized this year they were going to bring in a lot of newcomers and that they were just going to sacrifice some strikeout numbers and to be able to run the ball out of the ballpark. You look at additions like Kel Baker. Uh, I know Ben Van Cleve haven't, hasn't run one out, but he certainly has the power to do so. Uh, Hayden Leatherwood, um, you know, Anthony Servideo has garnered a ton of power recently. I, I just kind of think that there was an emphasis uh, this year on, on running the baseball out of the ballpark. Um, you know, they, they hit a lot of home runs their last two years. I, I'm not negligible to that fact as well, but I just kind of think they knew that this year was going to be kind of rough from an average standpoint. So they recruited more guys that can run the baseball out of the ballpark. I don't disagree now that I've looked at the numbers. Earlier today, when you sent me the text message, I was like, no, no, no. It's unintentional. It just happened to work out that way. But it's hard to deny once you get into the math. And what do you and I always go back to when we're <laughs> discussing things? The math don't lie. They're right. number one in the SEC in strikeouts, but they're number two in home runs behind Tennessee now. But number two in home runs, low walk rate. Their main horses are walking, but for the most part, the lineup up and down, not walking all that much. I think 11th in the SEC. And you've heard Mike Bianco, like on the Rubio Hotline, say, oh, we're walking, the walks are up. N not really. Only a few guys are walking like you want them to walk. Like Tyler Keenan's walking like you want him to walk. Servideo, he's walking like you want him to walk. 
But those guys that you substitute in or you're mixing and matching, Cade Sammons and Jerry Neely, they're not walking. Jerry on more than Cade Sammons. Hayden Dunhurst yeah. is walking a little bit. Out of his six hits, out of Hayden Dunhurst's six hits, three have been home runs. He's a true three-outcome guy right now. If he isn't walking, he's probably striking out or he's hitting a home run. Because hits have been hard to come by for him. So when you look at the math, I can buy it more. But I do think that it did kind of just work out this way. Ole Miss went into this offseason knowing it had to replace a Thomas Dillard, had to replace a Greg Kessinger. They were losing all their power. They probably knew that if Cole Zabowski got drafted at any point, he was going to leave because there was really no reason for him to come back. He wasn't going to improve his draft situation, so leave. I don't think they went in saying, okay, let's go find the best home run hitting guy and philosophically, if he strikes out whatever, we're going to be a true three-outcome team. No. I think that Kel Baker was the best home run hitting Juco player last year. They went and signed him. Hayden Leatherwood wanted to be an Ole Miss Rebel, hit home runs at Northwest, fit what they were looking for, they signed him. Because I don't think Hayden Leatherwood really fits the profile. Kel Baker does. But once you look at the numbers so far, that's what Ole Miss has been. Because not a lot of hits, batting average among the worst in the conference, walks in the bottom half of the conference, they're hitting home runs. And that's how they're winning. And that formula can work. We both agree with this kind of formula. If you're going to swing, swing for damage. That's why there's such a divisive and uh, contentious debate surrounding a Joey Gallo, because he is the true three-outcome guy. Give me the home runs all day because the war, the impact on winning, is going to be so much more significant than a team that's just trying to move guys along along the bases. The thing about it is there's going to be weekends where, look, they don't hit the home run ball. Are they able to produce runs? And and I don't know the answer to that question, but, you know, it kind of goes back to they've got three really good dudes on the mound that you may not have to give a whole lot to. You got a dog on Friday night, and I think you got a guy that's turning into a top 10 pick on Saturday. And I don't really know what Derek Diamond is from a draft standpoint, but I figure by the time he leaves here, he's at least a top three or four round kid. He's better right now than Gunnar Hoagland was at this time last year. He's a better Sunday starter in his true freshman season than Gunnar Hoagland was last year. So when you have Doug, who's pitching like Doug, but Gunnar, who's taking a significant step, and a better version of Gunnar Hoagland on Sunday, they're going to pitch it every single weekend. Now, they're not going to have it night in, night out, but the deal with good pitching is it doesn't slump. It travels, as they say. Um, and I'll ask you this. I had a, uh, I had a conversation with a couple of friends uh I think we can all right now say that Gunnar Hoagland's probably the best pitcher on this staff, but I kind of lean towards leaving him on Saturday right now. He's dominating Saturdays. Yeah. It was the whole argument we made about Doug Nikhazy. Put him back where he was last year on Saturdays. Doug's going to go out there and be better than any Saturday starter he lines up against, and Gunnar Hoagland has a higher ceiling for Friday night. But Doug's still going to be himself. Gunnar's running through every guy he's lining up against right now. Gunner's got a real shot to go like an eight and two or a nine and one on Saturdays. Yeah. Uh, and if he's going to be that dominant guy, it follows the same kind of philosophy that we were talking about. But Gunner's the better pitcher right now. And, you know, you kind of just do some math and let's just give Doug Nikhazy five and five on Friday nights and let's give Gunner Hoagland eight and two. Well, you're 13 and seven. Derek Diamond needs to go about 500 on Sundays, which I think is extremely doable. And you're talking about a national seed. Look, there's some questions about the bullpen. I get that and all, but you look at the bullpen numerically and statistically, they have a 2.7 ERA. Yeah, they've been fine. Uh, Yeah, I I think if you want to argue that they probably need another arm, okay, I can buy that. But I don't think, and look, you may disagree with me here. 
I don't think they're just going to give up on Greer Holst. I still think there's something there. He's going to have to earn it. He's going to have to. I think he pitches this weekend against Princeton. I think that's one of the bigger storylines this weekend because, look, Ole Miss is going to win all three games. I don't have much doubt about that. I think I want to see how Greer Holston is, is pitching. And I know some people say, oh, it's Princeton. Well, he couldn't get Alcorn State out. So to me, that's one of the bigger storylines going into this weekend is how he's able to perform. I thought it was pretty significant that he didn't pitch at all this weekend. Yeah, but when do you get him into a game, though? I mean, you look at it. I On mean, they, Sunday, Mike was getting everybody into the game. Was he really, though? He got Savelle and Gilbert in, but after that, it was Broadway Forsyth. He gave it to his best two guys right now because I think statistically Forsyth might be a little bit better than Miller. I think the stuff's a lot better. I'll say that. I do, too. Austin Miller is going to serve the same role he served last year and the year before that, and that's perfectly fine. That's a lot of value. But the upside sure. of the arm is on the side of Braden Forsyth and certainly on Taylor Broadway. Do I think Taylor Broadway can sustain what he's done so far? Probably not, but there is a happy medium that he's going to find and keep being a very productive pitcher. Greer Holston, I don't know what he's supposed to be or what he's going to be because so far, you're right, he hasn't done anything. Nothing to give you confidence that he can go out there and get anybody out. I mean, look, the kids not earned the right to be out there in big situations, but I, I just don't think they're going to give up on him um, because I don't think there's any reason to. I like they're going to beat Princeton all three games this weekend. I don't think any of them are going to be particularly close. So if he goes out there and pitches two innings and gives up four runs, then maybe you do give up on him. But I just do think that opportunities are going to come for the kid because it's not a situation like last year where he's literally throwing the ball 83 miles an hour. I mean, he's 90 to 92. It's just for whatever reason not happening right now. He needs to find some success in the midweek. If he does that, then that's how he uh, goes along the path of getting back to being somewhat usable, if actually pretty usable, maybe not on the weekend in high-leverage uh, situations, but certainly in opportunities where you just need a guy to eat up some outs, to eat up some innings. He can be that guy for you. But as far as the offense, Sunday, their third game with double-digit hits. So that's an encouraging sign, if you will. You shouldn't put too much stock into hits. That's the whole deal. No. Because Ole Miss is hitting home runs. I think the biggest question is, can Ole Miss be this type of home run hitting team the entire year? And I don't know if it can, but until they stop, you got to ride them until they buck you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think the ball's going to travel a little bit better when it warms up. That's just kind of how it works, especially at Swayze Field. Um, so, look, they hit a lot of home runs against Louisville. Louisville's one of the best teams in the country. Indiana's perfectly capable to seed. They hit, what, three home runs on Sunday? I mean, I'll have to see it not work for a while before I believe it won't work. Some people have asked me about Kel Baker. He's under 200 now, but he's got a 900 OPS. And, and you may disagree with me here, but I think Kel Baker has hit into a lot of bad luck. I don't get too much into this statistic this early in the season, especially because you don't know exit velocities and everything, but he's got a, under a 200 uh, batting average on balls in play. Um, so I think he's hit into a little bit of bad luck, and he's still got over a 890 OPS uh, as of right now. Yeah. That's the only number I care about with him. <laughs> I, honestly, offensively, that's kind of the only number I care about with anybody. Me too, but I don't say that out loud very much, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, like, just tell me somebody's OPS, and I'll tell you if they're having a good year or not. Like, it, you know. But most it, people roll their eyes and say, oh, there is something to batting average. There is something to yeah. home base percentage. That's what I care about. I don't care about batting average. I don't care about hits. I care about results, and I care about power, hitting for damage, and Ole Miss is doing that, and that's why they're so successful. Okay, I ask you every single week, after another successful weekend, 10-1, and 1, Memphis coming up tonight at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on SEC Network Plus, Princeton this weekend. You've given your prediction. Have they improved on that position? 
I think I'm going to give them another game. I'm going to go 39 and 17, um, 17 and 13 in the SEC, and maybe the number 10 overall national seed. I don't think they're a national seed team just yet, but LSU rolls in here in two weeks, and I can change that opinion real quick. LSU 7 and 5, last in the SEC West this far in. Never would have thought that LSU would be there. Got no hit yesterday, so uh, there's some offensive problems down in uh, Red Stick. Those people are never happy with Palmineri. They're never going to be happy with Palmineri. They're ready to fire him, and he played for national title three years ago, whatever. I don't think they're that great this year. I think they're probably a back-end host team. Um, so when they roll in here in two weeks, I think Ole Miss should, uh, should take a series from the Tigers. I don't think that should be much question about that. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Oma Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to go now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Thomas Dillard, former Ole Miss baseball player. Colin and I, both high on this Ole Miss baseball team, as everyone is after 11 games. Ole Miss has actually moved up in a pair of top 25 rankings, number nine in both Baseball America and D1 Baseball, number eight in the coaches' poll. What does Thomas think? We go to him right now. But first, let's hear from Modern Woodman, and BNA Bank. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is former Ole Miss outfielder, catcher, slugger, Thomas Dillard. Thomas out in Phoenix right now with the Milwaukee Brewers. Thomas, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up? How are you? Uh, yeah, it's going pretty good. Uh, getting used to the first spring training. It's a little bit weird watching Ole Miss on TV for sure. Uh, meeting a lot of nice guys out here, playing with some big league guys. So just a great experience to be able to be out here. What are the points of emphasis for you from the Brewers as far as spring training, what they want you to do, what they want to see out of you? Um, so I'm kind of working at every position right now. I've been catching bullpens. Uh, I've caught a few, caught in a few scrimmage games, played third base some, played first base some. 
the two big league games I've played in, I've played in the outfield. So just kind of playing wherever and just trying to hit a little bit. Third base is new. Yeah, that is new. I, I kind of grew up playing third, um, but didn't really play much infield in college. So it's pretty good to get – it feels good to get back to that because uh, that's one of, my, one of my favorite positions for sure. Huh. Third base, natural position for Thomas Dillard. I thought it was catcher. Color me surprised. I actually grew up playing infield, played second base next to Greg Kessinger most of my life. And then uh, as I got a little bit older, travel ball, played third a lot. So I've always played uh, to one side of Gray, basically. Already kind of touched on it, but the plan. Talked to Gray a couple of weeks ago. When he came to spring training with the Astros, they had particular areas in which they wanted to see him improve, especially at the plate for you. Anything like that? Because as a hitter, you're pretty well advanced. That's what got you to the bigs. Are there any particular improvement areas targeted for you by the Brewers? Um, yeah, right now they're just kind of telling me to be the player I am. You know, they want me to hit extra base hits and, uh, you know, hit for average. And then they want me to be able to be versatile. Uh, it's one of the things that the Brewers like is they want to be able to plug people wherever they wherever they want to. You know, uh, we got a few guys I played with last year that will play second one game and then next game we'll see them behind the plate. But, uh, you know, it's just going out there and, being as good of a player as I can right now. What's the biggest difference as far as what your baseball life is like now compared to what baseball's been your entire life? It's like a job now, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, so during the season, the biggest difference is just how often we play. Um, the last year we finished out the season on 40 games in 41 days. So uh, it's just you play every single day, so you got to get used to that. For spring training right now, it's honestly the amount of time that we have extra. I mean – we get here at like seven o'clock and then practice till like two thirty, and then you have the rest of the day off. So no class, no tutors, no study hall, anything like that. You're just just sitting in the apartments, or you're on the golf course. Yeah, I did did play a little bit of golf yesterday. So first time playing since I've been out here, um, but it's really fun to get out there. Yeah, Phoenix has got some of the best courses, man. It does. Uh, we played at the GCU golf course yesterday, which is supposed to be one of the better uh, college golf courses out there. It's only like three minutes away from our facility, so it was cool to get to see that course yesterday. So did you grip it and rip it yesterday? Hit it high? Watch it fly? I did. I may, I may have won a little bit of money, uh, <laughs> but uh, I ended up becoming the big winner on the day. It wasn't my best day, but I uh, played good when I needed to. Have the Brewers told you where they might put you to start the year? Yeah, if if everything goes as planned, I would I would assume I in North Carolina, but you know there's a lot of guys in the organization, and we'll just have to see. But Carolina would be a cool place to get to. I really enjoyed playing in Wisconsin last year. Um, you know, if if the opportunity presents itself to get to Biloxi at some point that this year, that'd be awesome. Um, you know, coming back to Mississippi, but you know wherever they want me, I'm just going to go out there and play as good as I can. So far, have the results been what you wanted them to be? Yeah, I've actually swung it pretty good. Uh, first few weeks, I had to get used to uh, the wood bat again, obviously, and just a different type of pitching. But, you know, I feel like I've performed pretty well so far, and uh, it's been a new experience, but I'm just enjoying it. What is the biggest difference with the wooden bat? Yeah, it's a little bit different. Uh, now I'm so used to it that it feels normal, but um, I guess the the level of um, forgiveness that you have is a different one because like with a metal bat you can get jammed a little bit and still hit it out or hit it off the end with a wood bat for the most part if you don't square it completely up uh, it's probably not going to go as far as you want uh, with the new balls that they have in AAA and the majors you know it goes a little bit farther but 
Uh, they don't really have those balls in low A. But, yeah, it's just getting getting used to using that again, you know, breaking them every now and then. It's definitely a, a fun process. So. Are you getting a little bit more freedom to steal? Yeah, I've actually uh, sold a base yesterday. In a there you go. Game. But um, they, they typically just let us kind of go out there and play. The managers don't really say much. Uh, you know, they, they'll talk to us in between innings and stuff, but for the most part, a lot of us are grown, grown men out there and they're just going to let us play and tell us if we did something wrong and try to correct us and help us with it in the future. I mean, Thomas Dillard, leadoff hitter, it works. It, I did really enjoy that at Ole Miss. Actually, my first pro ball game, I played, uh, I, I got called up to low A and, uh, the manager's niece and nephew are actually Ole Miss fans. They're from Senatobia. And he's like, I heard you could run a little bit. We're going to have you uh, playing left and hit leadoff today. And then I came in and hit leadoff. And I don't think he, he was expecting my size when he heard that I hit leadoff at Ole Miss. But <laughs> uh, ended up just sticking in the three-hole for the rest of the year. Ah, leadoff hitter Thomas Dillard. That was a sight to see. Now, I've been calling for it all year. You and I talked about this. And mm-hmm. once you got put into leadoff, the offense took off. It was the catalyst to y'all's run to a Super Regional, 41 wins. You leading off, setting the table. Right. You know, I guess it was kind of a, a little bit of comic relief, you could say. Uh, you know, we always talked about it. Um, I always joked around with Coach Clem and Coach B about it. And Coach B told me once I get to uh, 20 stolen bases, he'll hit me lead off. I didn't get to it, but, um, you know, I guess – it's just kind of a little little joke going on at first. You know, obviously when I my first game I did it, we were playing Tennessee, and we were just trying to do anything. And I think I ended up going like four for five that day. And then I know we just kind of kept it, and it's just it's just uh, I guess a little bit of a spark plug spark plug. But everybody swung it well. You know, having Gray right behind me was good, and then Tyler hit well. You know, our whole team ended up just finishing out the year pretty strong. So it was pretty cool. Gray mentioned it when I had him on the podcast two weeks ago, how everybody spread out is so much different, and y'all try to keep in touch with each other. But y'all were used to being with each other every single day. And now y'all are professionals and you're spread out. How tough is it to stay in touch? And um, do you have to put forth more of an effort to stay in touch now that y'all are across the country? So most of the guys that I played with at Ole Miss and my good baseball friends, I really don't have to talk to that often to still be close with them. Like, I'll talk to Gray probably two or three times a week. Well, we never text. We just FaceTime at night and talk about what's been going on, what's the difference in Florida and over here, and stranded things about baseball. So uh, me and him, are, we could not talk for three months and come back and be the exact same with each other. Uh, talk to Cooper a little bit uh, in Florida, and then obviously Ryan. Ryan's probably 20 minutes away from me right now. So we made some plans to go get dinner this week. Uh, but we're going to go golfing, but – you know, I think one of the things that's really special about our group is that we're all so close that we don't really have to talk too much to still be close to each other. Ryan's probably out there on some water somewhere. Yeah, he's uh, – you never really know what he's doing, but uh, you gotta you got to keep tabs on him. How often do you still think about that last day in Fable? Um, I actually think of it fairly often. You know, I, I probably watched that game uh, – a lot of different times that they have uh, the full game on YouTube this year. So I'll probably watch the two and a half hour uh, replay of it for, I don't know, probably 10 different times. Think about my last swing, you know, off of Cronin, if I could have elevated a little bit and hit it out. But um, it was, it was obviously a, a weird moment being done with college baseball, but 
Um, Arkansas is a great team, so you got to give them some credit. But, yeah, I still think about it weekly, if not daily. It's hard, though. It's got to be a difficult thing to be standing there knowing that you got such a steep hill to climb, and then reality sets in. How hard was that for you guys to stay engaged in the game when they just came out and kind of blitzed Gunner and it was over? Right. Um, it was definitely difficult. You know, it, it was something that we just didn't really talk about. Uh, like, once the fifth or sixth inning came around, we knew it was going to be pretty difficult. But, uh, you know, you've just always been taught to fight to the last pitch. And that's I think we did that. You know, I don't think we did the best job of it. But I think everybody went out there and hustled still. And it was just, you know, it was, it was weird. I probably once around the fifth or sixth inning came, you know, you kind of had that feeling. And I was just kind of trying to take, take in the moment. You know, not many people get to play at a Super Regional in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So, it was, a, it was a sad day for sure, but, um, I mean, a cool moment. But Gunner has taken a real step from year one to year two. I mean, the kid's out there stuffing it against anybody he lines up against. What have you thought about Gunner and the pitching staff and almost baseball as a whole? They're 10-1. Yeah, they've looked great. Um, you know, Gunner's impressed me a lot. He added that slider this year. You know, he, he worked on that all last year and never could really perfect it. And it seems like right now he has that going for him. You know, I think Doug's going to be really consistent out there. Uh, Derek Diamond's a really good competitor out there. He's always going to give you his innings. The bullpens look great. Um, you know, we've got power one through nine, and we've had, you know, the big hits when we need them. So uh, I've been really, really pleased with watching them this year, and I'm excited to watch them going forward for sure. Number two in the SEC in home runs, just behind Tennessee was leading the SEC in home runs for the first two weeks. You worked out with them a lot in the preseason. Did you see this power potential with them? Um, you know, I guess you, I, I didn't really see it as much as it is right now. Um, you know, obviously we had, had some big guys and Tyler, Kale, and, and Van Cleve, and Tim Elko, you know, you won't find too many guys bigger than them in the SEC. But, uh, I mean, Anthony, I mean, he's hitting a lot of home runs right now. I, I know he's always been a good hitter, but that's really impressive for him. Peyton actually led the team this fall and spring home runs. And, you know, Peyton finds a way to get into that bullpen. But, uh, you know, I think there's definitely some more power potential in there, too. So it'll be interesting to see as, as it keeps going forward. Look, Anthony's been a good player for the first two years. Freshman year struggled against left-handed pitching, didn't play a ton. Second year played everywhere and really deferred to you and Gray, the other leaders on the team. What's allowed him to – unlock his true potential and become the player he is right now. I know he's got to sustain it, but the hot start, did you know that this Anthony Servideo was in there? Oh, I knew it for sure because he's such a talented player, but I think the big key for him, and I, I mean, honestly, me, Gray, Cooper, different guys like that, was getting into a, a comfortable position because, uh, you know, for my first year, I got moved in and out of left field. Uh, you know, Gray played short every day, but he just wasn't comfortable yet, and then you know, Cooper was in and out behind the plate. Um, Anthony is the same way. He didn't know if he was going to be playing second or right or even playing. So now that he has a, a, a position that he can sit at and just know he's going to go out there and play every day, it's a lot easier to focus on uh, hitting. And uh, I think that's what's made him comfortable, and I'm really proud of him this year. So you come out opening weekend. You and Gray are throwing out the first pitch. How weird did it feel? It felt it felt weird. I've been to a few scrimmages this year, um, so I kind of got a little bit prepared for it. But seeing the fans out there definitely made it a little bit worse. But uh, it was kind of a proud moment at the same time. You know, you, you've been there, you've had your time, and 
um, to be able to go back and uh, throw out the first pitch, you know, that people actually loved watching you is, is something that I, I wouldn't trade for anything. So it was awesome to get to go back and do it with my best friend, too. You're biased, but uh, who had the best first pitch? Easily me. I hit it right down the yep. middle. Yep. Great great speed. Gray was too scared. He thought he was going to pull it into the dirt, and so he went onside high. But You stuffed it. I'll give it to you. Um, but first <laughs> game, when you see somebody else run out to left field, you got to go, wait, hold on, man. That's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, it was definitely a little strange, but, uh, you know, this is a new team, and I think they're going to be great. So I'm really, really interested to see, and I'll be tuning in to see how they do the rest of the year. So for the young guys, the newcomers, that top-ranked class that came in, that only rivals your class for the most talented class mm-hmm. in Ole Miss baseball history, what would be your best piece of advice moving forward? Uh, just to be confident in, in their abilities. You know, they're, they're a high-ranked class for a reason. There's no reason to doubt yourself. You know, uh, your freshman year is hard. SEC baseball is hard. But if you just go out there and play like you always have and just rely on your teammates and like they've been doing, it's just having fun. You know, go out there and compete. I think everything will work out how it's supposed to work out. If you had to buy stock in one freshman right now, who are you buying stock in? That's that's a loaded question, man. I had three recruits that I think are pretty solid players, and then, you know, I'll, I'll go pitcher and hitter. I'll give you a pitcher and a hitter. But right now i got to go Derek Diamond. He was my recruit. Uh, me, and, me and Derek are pretty good friends. We still keep up. And then I got to go Peyton shot in there. I really like the way he plays the game. He's kind of scrappy. So uh, I, I got to go those two. You mentioned Derek Diamond. That was unique recruitment. He was going to Stanford. Then he had that admission snafu with Stanford. How did you get him here? How did you contribute to getting him here? Well, um, so Coach Lafferty called me in his office one day. I was like, hey, we got this stud coming in. So we got from Cali. He's like, you're the mayor of Oxford, so I want you to take him around, show him everything. Uh, so he came in one weekend, uh, we went over to Gray's house. We, he got him to meet everybody. You know, we had a lot of guys from the team there, showed him Oxford a little bit and, uh, went out to eat a grill house, just different stuff like that. And he had his dad there with him and they just fell in love with it right away. And I think he fits right in. You know, he's a really confident kid, but he's a great kid. He was raised the right way. So I'm really excited. We got him here for sure. All right. Mayor of Oxford, you're bringing Ben Garrett recruit into Oxford for the first time. Where are you taking me? Uh, you know, obviously the Grove, because I'm in during the fall, so hard to pass up the Grove. Um, and then, you know, we typically go to Grill House one night, and then Taylor Grocery sometimes. Um, then, you know, you got to show them a little bit of late night Oxford. Maybe not too much for them, you know, they're younger guys, but there are some 18 bars in Oxford. But you got to show them, you got to show them the girls, you know, they've, that's one of the reasons we get a lot of our crews. Ken Cheryl Lockett was a star recruiter when he was at Ole Miss, and he's talked about that before. You can show them all the fun stuff, like the late night stuff. Really, when they get there, like, okay, show me the girls. Yeah, that that definitely helps. So, shout out to them for getting a lot of recruits here. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving forward, how would you like to see your career progress so that you get to the bigs as quickly as possible? Um, you know, just I think the key to, key for me is uh, to be able to catch. You know, I think the ability to be a third catcher out there, or maybe even a little bit higher, is a is a really enticing thing, but being able to play anywhere and just keep hitting, hitting the ball far. You know, if I keep hitting, I think I, I control my own destiny. So it's just going out there and banging it a little bit.
Yeah, catching-wise, how big was it last year to get some time catching so that you can get back in the groove of it again? Because pitch framing and uh, calling games is so much different at the pro level. Did it help you last year to get that time? Yeah, it did for sure. You know, catching's um, it's interesting because you can catch bullpens and stuff, but as soon as you get in a game, it's a lot different. Uh, so to be able to get those game reps was huge. So what's your strength as a catcher? I think one of my strengths is that I'm a pretty pretty big target back there, so a lot of pitchers like throwing to me. Uh, I, I have a pretty good arm from behind the plate, so that, and then kind of just leadership skills. You know, I, I like to lead the pitchers through the games. Uh, I feel like I'm somebody that can rely on back there and talk to. Um, just being a guy that can be transparent with the pitchers. Well, one of the last things, Omaha potential with this team. Do you see it? Oh, I definitely see it. I see it every year with Coach B's team, and there's something something a little bit different with these guys. Uh, a little swagger about them, so really interested to see, and I might have to find a way to get to Omaha if they get there. You know, they got casinos right right outside of Omaha, too, so, I mean, we could have some fun out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you mentioned confidence. Is that the biggest thing for a baseball player? Knowing you can do something, whether it's hitting a fastball or executing a curveball or fielding a ground ball, I think knowing that you can do it is almost 90% of doing it, you know? Uh, obviously, everybody's talented when you get there, but I think that's kind of what separates people is the, the confidence that you can do it. He's Thomas Diller. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you. Look forward to watching all the home runs you hit, and when you do, pimp the hell out of them, okay? <laughs> got it. Got it. That was Thomas Diller. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Colin Brister coming back in just one second. But first, let me tell you about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS or go to www.impactolmus.com. Make a difference, make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram using the at solaoxfordms on all platforms. Sola in Oxford on the Oxford Square. Back with me now is Colin Brister. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. You can follow Colin on Twitter at Colin Brister. Did a mailbag last week. Got like 40, 50 questions. It was something crazy. But a few of them we left out because you got them in too late. But because I'm a man of the people, Colin and I are here to please. 
We're going to answer your questions, your old Miss questions. So here we go. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. Will Clements at Will Clements 16. Who are we cutting this offseason to make room for at least Luis Rodriguez, Sean Robinson, Jarkel Joyner, Matthew Morrell, Marcus Nyblack? I'd say 99% sure that Carlos Curry and Franco Miller are getting cut. First of all, Luis Rodriguez is already on scholarship. Sean Robinson is already on scholarship. Jarkel Joyner is going to take Brian Tyree's scholarship. That means everybody else you got to subtract from the current roster. So Matthew Morrell is probably going to come at the expense of probably Franco Miller. Carlos Curry, he's probably gone to, I agree. Marcus Nyblack, if he gets academically eligible, he's got some academic work to do. So that's not a slam dunk, but if he does get qualified, yeah, Carlos Curry's probably the next man out. But they're not going to be done there. They're probably going to add a graduate transfer, maybe even more than that. I'm curious to see what the situation is with Antavian Column. Because everybody played on Saturday against Vanderbilt. Dude did not. Had come on, was getting valuable minutes, and then all of a sudden, he can't be found. And Kermit Davis said it was because of a coach's decision. That's never a good thing. We talk a lot about, you know, Mark Canvas Hyman. AK told him that, that he, they were going to cut him, and Mark Canvas just flat out said that, you know, I'm going to work and get better, and, and, he, and he did. You can't actually cut these kids. Like, they have to agree to an extent, don't they? Yeah, but most all of them do. I just wondered how that worked. If you know, I, very I, rarely I, do you have a Mark Canvas Hyman situation where he goes, oh, "Okay," because what coaches say is, "Hey, man, look, you can stay, but you're not going to play. I am recruiting to replace you." Schuler seems like a kid that you know at, at first of this year thought they thought you know maybe gone to a professional career, but it kind of the feeling seems to be, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it kind of seems to be that he's going to be back next year regardless. Most likely, Sammy Hunter's going nowhere. Austin Crowley's going nowhere. Hadim C., I don't think, is going anywhere. The only obvious guys are Carlos Curry and Franco Miller. You hadn't seen them. And then dude's a question mark now, which is a surprise after the last couple of weeks. And then you start looking at other guys who aren't impacting winning. And Devontae Shuler, he's a wild card because I think he wants to get out of here, but he might not have that opportunity anymore. Harold Teasley, at Harold Teasley, what's your realistic expectations for the football team this year under Lane Kiffin? Uh, six and six and going to the Liberty Bowl. I think, you know, if you could talk me into seven and five, I'm not going to not going to go above seven and five. Look, I think this team can beat Baylor. I think this team can beat Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, um, you know, Arkansas um, and obviously the three other non-conference games. But I'm going to have a tough time believing that uh, they're going to win any of those other five games. Maybe Auburn is, is a close game. I don't really think so. I think Auburn's going to be really good next year. I kind of, you know, and a lot of people disagree with me. I kind of like Bo Nix. Um, so. We'll see. I think seven and five is, is is kind of the ceiling, and I think six and six will be considered realistic. Zach Matkins at Coach Matkins. If you had to write out the lineup for Ole Miss baseball, what would it look like? You know, here's the thing. I don't necessarily disagree with the way Mike's done it. I like Servideo, Chatagnier, Keenan, Baker. I think at this point, and you know more than me, I think I'd move Justin Bench to center field, um, and he'd be my center fielder. I'd play Elko, Leatherwood, and and Graham against right-handed pitchers. Um, I'd play Elko every day, and I'd play Leatherwood and Graham against against righties. 
I don't know. It's a little bit too early to, to write something in stone, but I do think that would be my, my lineup against right-handed pitchers. I think I would play Jerry on Ely against lefties just because Kevin Graham's not going to provide me much in the outfield. Uh, or, or, and I don't really think Hayden Leatherwood would provide me a ton of the outfield against lefties, so I might as well get the defense out there while I can. But against righties, I would play Leatherwood, Graham, uh, Bench, and Elko. I, w- I would figure out a way to get all of those guys in. Both Colin and I believe that you put your very best hitter hitting second. Thing is, Anthony Servideo, Tyler Keenan, both could make a case for being the best hitter on Ole Miss's team. And Anthony sure. Servideo is giving you so much value leading off, you can't take him off a leadoff. You just can't. And then Tyler I- Keenan... At number three, he's providing value there. So there's no real easy answer for who would hit second in between them. Chatagnier makes sense. The perfect guy for number two would be Tyler Keenan if a Hayden Dunhurst really starts raking. I'm not necessarily, and and I know you believe that that they should go too. I believe that your best hitter should be in the top two of the order, either your leadoff guy or your number two guy. And I do think Ole Miss has that right now. Yeah. Corey Clark at Corey underscore Clark underscore 91. Who's your all-time worst starting player football lineup in Ole Miss history? Running back is Corvick Nate. Oh, okay. We're putting it running back. I thought, uh, you know, he played slot for freeze, but okay. It's kind of cheating. It is. But he's drawn starts before, so I'm putting him at running back because he was the next Dexter McCluster. He was. He was. Yeah. He's cat-like. Oh, my God. This would be too hard. Let's not do this. We're going to piss some people off. Let's just not. Yeah. Let's just put Corvick Neat everywhere because he was the worst. <laughs> Do you know what the most special moment in time Ole Miss football was besides fourth and 25? It was when Corvick went back to catch the punt against LSU and everybody in the stadium knew he was going to drop it and then he <laughs> dropped it. <laughs> Ole Miss Everyone Sports. knew he was going to drop it. At Rebel Sports Talk. Why do we park on driveways but drive on parkways? Should be the other way around. It's above my pay grade. Life's greatest mysteries. Chase Connerly at Chase Connerly. Why are they called apartments when they are connected to each other? That's a valid question. Yeah, it is. It's like duplexes. We should call them duplexes. Okay. Ole Miss Sports at Rebel Sports Talk. Why is it that when you transport something by car, it's called a shipment? But when you transport something by ship, it's called cargo. Goodness. We should have like a metaphorical uh, segment on our podcast. All right, Ole Miss Sports, I got a question for you. Why are we here, man? (laughs) Just why? What does it mean, man? (laughs) If you're going to do this to me, man, I'm going to do it to you. (laughs) Chase Connerly, here we go, another one. How come your lips separate when you say touch, but touch when you say separate? That's how the mechanics of your mouth work. (laughs) Yeah, linguistics, I don't know. The ability to form sentences and to use words your mouth has to manipulate itself in some particular way. That one's not as good. The other ones were good. That one, uh, no. come on. Galen Martin Music at GM Crutches. We're back. We're back on track. Two deep D-line projection for next season. Uh, ooh, KD Hill, uh, Tariq Tisdale. Uh, man, I'm going to Sam Williams, Ryder yeah, Anderson. Chuck, Chuck Wiley. Chuck Wiley's in there in the two deep. Ladarius Cox probably at the other defensive end. Demond Clowney might factor in, but he's got to add some weight. Quentin Bivens could factor in. Sincere David. I guess they're warm bodies. Yeah. Jeez. Not a lot of depth there. Hey, but good on Benito and Kadir Shepard, Josiah Coatney, Scotty Phillips. Those guys went and showed out at the NFL Combine. Good for them. Everybody gets up for the NFL draft and the Combine. It's just my thing, man. It's just not my thing. Yeah, me either. 
Roy Dean Graham at Roy Dean Graham. Can you tell me why Ole Miss can't recruit big guys? We need a five-star center. Well, Ole Miss did land a coveted big guy in 2019, the highest-ranked class in Ole Miss basketball history, Hadim C. Got him over LSU, Pittsburgh, a handful of other high-major offers. Started the season slow, but in the season's second half, he's been really strong, been really productive. Was a heavily recruited player. the number three JUCO player in the entire country. And almost got him over LSU and Pittsburgh and East Carolina and a number of high major teams. And he's been good in the second half of the season. So what do you mean? Oh, oh, okay. Okay. You wonder why Ole Miss can't land a five-star big-time top 25, top 50 center. Money! Because <laughs> I'm sure they like to, but those things cost money and Ole Miss ain't got it. You know, I will say this. I do think Ole Miss can win in basketball without, without ever, at first, without having a ton of infrastructure. But I do think somebody's going to have to win at an extremely high level without being able to recruit extremely good kids, um, which is extremely hard um, before Ole Miss ever gets into that recruiting dy- dynamic. Well, Matthew Morell is one of the most heavily recruited kids in the country. And Ole Miss sure. got him by just recruiting the hell out of him. But if yeah. you're wondering why they're not going and getting Dwight Howard or Greg Oden, good Lord. Everybody wants those guys, and Duke and North Carolina, LSU for that matter. And LSU does not belong in the same conversation as Duke and North Carolina and Kansas. But from a recruiting infrastructure standpoint, they made a commitment. And they're still rocking along. Nothing has happened to LSU. Or is it going to? They just landed another top 100 kid. How about that? Yeah, they got a kid uh, right out of Tuscaloosa last year. Top 100 kid. It was crazy how that happened. He didn't go to Alabama. It was crazy. But that's why, here's one for you, five-star center, Johnny O'Brien. I was just fisting to say that name. Cleveland East Side kid. Yep, Ole Miss thought they had him. And then LSU gave him some money. Andy Kennedy recruited that kid for two years. Had him a week before signing day. LSU randomly comes in, unloads the bag, and he's gone. You think football recruiting this dirty? Ain't got nothing. There's people going to prison. Um, there was another kid in J.O.B.'s year, too. I can't remember who it Kai was. Madden, like, or is it Andre Hollins? Andre Hollins went to Minnesota just because he went to Minnesota. The guy okay. that they lost lost was Kai Madden. Andre Hollins wasn't even that heavily recruited, and he actually turned out better than all three of them. <laughs> Johnny O was great. Yeah, yeah, he was. Kai Madden was not. Everything equal. Ole Miss, Duke. If you're Jamin Brakefield and you have the opportunity to go to either of those schools, where are you going? I feel like uh, Ole Miss has gotten screwed by Duke twice now. It's Jamie and Brakefield. They had Alex O'Connell, I think, was close to being in Ole Miss trouble. And uh, he, he wound up going to Duke because Duke figured out he was a good basketball player. So that was unfortunate, too. They almost had Kyle Guy for, that uh, wound up at Virginia. So Ole Miss has recruited well and evaluated well. They just haven't caught a break. Yeah. But Ole Miss is also recruiting against its own history basketball-wise. you only been to the NCAA sure. tournament eight times in school history. Good old Roy Dean Graham. We need a five-star center. Don't they all? <laughs> Dan Edney, MD, at Dan Edney, MD. Why is Jerrion Ely not in the baseball lineup every game? Ooh. Well, because he can't hit. He can hit. Man, he's got a 070 batting average and a 380 OPS, and he's striking no, out man. like 40%. <laughs> no, man. He's striking out like 40% of his at-bats. I think it's time for Justin Bench to play center field. Isn't it a too small a sample? Yeah, but look, I know we say strikeouts don't matter, and I guess they don't, but they do matter when you're getting overpowered by 88-mile-an-hour fastballs. They do matter when you're doing nothing else. 
Yeah, and you know he had a good at bat against East Carolina Saturday, and I get it. But it's part of it is, yeah, you want to leave him in the lineup because he wasn't here this fall, and he he deserves that time to have development too. But also, you have to win baseball games, so you know. It's yeah, tough. isn't that the problem? See, this is the problem that John Rice and Jerry and we're going to run into. You didn't have a fall. You didn't have a preseason, really. You're learning right now. But while we can say Jerrion's production thus far has been a small sample, college baseball is a season of small samples. Yes. So unlike yep. Major League Baseball, where you can leave a guy in there like Jerrion, who's got that upside, but he started slow, and he can maybe turn it around and get a couple of weeks in. A couple of weeks in a college baseball season, that's a lot. 20% of Ole Miss's regular season is over. Um, God, so. that's crazy. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's it's about time for experiments. Let me ask this. Do you think Justin Bench could play center field? Yes. Then it's probably time for him to play center field because I don't think you just start being able to hit high velocity, um, which I think is Jerion's problem right now. And here's the thing with defensive value in college baseball. You can't judge it. The only time it's there is the College World Series, which you got to win a lot of games to get to that. It's only four months of a season, right? Or a little over four months of a season. Major League Baseball, you're going all the way to September. Playing every day. Ole Miss baseball, college baseball, it's much, much different. Hitting is more valuable in college baseball because of the season of small samples than defensive value. It just is. The infield defense, now that matters because they're getting more opportunities. Outfield, not as many opportunities. I'm completely with you. Look, I get it. I get because I like Ely a lot too, and I think he's got a chance to be a really good baseball player at Ole Miss. But I think Ole Miss's best nine, not their nine best, their best nine do not involve him or Cade Sammons right now. I still believe that he's going to be a baseball player long-term and not a football player. Absolutely. I think if Jerry Ely got to choose, it would be baseball. If, if somebody came up to him and said, son, you can only go pro and one if you commit to one, I think the kid picks baseball. The thing you're most looking forward to in Ole Miss sports this week is what? The cop-out could be Princeton. Brian Tyree deserves a good senior night. The kid's put on for Ole Miss all year. Frankly, he should be the SEC player of the year because I don't think Ole Miss has – I think Ole Miss goes 1-17 in 17 or 2-16 and 16 without him. I hope he has a really good night tomorrow night and, and hope the crowd to, to an extent shows up for him because he's done a lot for Ole Miss basketball and, and some he's played on some tough teams. and But uh, for four years, you got everything out of that kid, and, and that wasn't always the case with some of them. Overall, Ole Miss is really playing for nothing anymore. They're going to play on day one in the SEC tournament, so you're right. Brian Tyree deserves a good send-off. Unfortunate that it's going to come at 8 p.m. It doesn't have to be on the last day. At noon, they had a great crowd for Vanderbilt, and they beat the piss out of Vanderbilt. What a crappy way for that kid to go out. You know, the worst senior day, though, was uh, 2013 Reggie and Murph senior day because they had it on a Tuesday at 8 o'clock against Alabama right after they had lost to Mississippi State. So everybody was pissed off, and there was like 18 people there. Reggie, who cares? Murph? (laughs) Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. It's been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say. Leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Be back on Thursday. I think C.J. Johnson's going to be back. Good friend of the program. He'll be back. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.